great podcast today and also another great podcast on uh, Saturday. And you can watch it on Blaze TV tonight at 9 p.m. It is uh, an hour with Ron DeSantis, the candidate, another another candidate, part of our presidential election series. You don't want to miss it tonight, 9 p.m. or on your podcast feed on Saturday. This podcast today brought to you by Jace Medical. Jace is really simple. You go online, you fill out a form, then you get your prescription. Life-saving medications delivered right to you. The Jace case will give you peace of mind so you're not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the right medication in hand. Now, here's the thing. The Jace case is great, but they also do something if you are worried about a breakdown in the supply chain or the fact that we only make, uh, what, three out of 21 uh, antibiotics and major drugs. They're not made here. They're made in China. What happens if the world breaks down? Save now more than $360 by getting the life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical and ask them also about their medicine that you can have a year's supply at your home. Use the promo code BECK at checkout when you go to jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. Ken, welcome to the program. I'm glad this is all uh, behind you. Uh, it seemed to me to be an absolute witch hunt. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you one question uh, on this, because I know you covered a lot of this with um, Tucker Carlson uh, yesterday. But let me let me go into the Wall Street Journal. Why Ken Paxton was acquitted. Uh, And it's by the entire editorial board, and it's just ridiculous. But listen to this. It says, Mr. Paxton's defenders are spinning that he was saved by a populist national conservative groundswell to put an end to the Bush era in Texas. What a joke. There is no longer a Bush era in Texas or anywhere else. George P. Bush, Jeb Bush's son, lost to Mr. Paxton. Yeah, well, yes. So how is that the end of the Bush? These people. What really happened on Saturday is that Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick... Uh, chose to rescue in a rebuke uh, of his rival, House Speaker Dade Phelan. The acquittal is perhaps a satisfying victory for Mr. Patrick over his House rival, but it may not play out so well for Texas Republicans in the longer run. A federal investigation into Mr. Paxton is continuing amid reports that a grand jury has been impaneled. What do you know about that, Ken? Well, first of all, let me, I, I do have to thank the people of Texas. Thank my wife, Angela, and my kids. I am here because by the grace of God and, and the, those people that I just mentioned. Look, the Biden administration, I've sued them 48 times in two and a half years. I sued the Obama administration 27 times in 27 months. This was organized by the Biden administration. They And that, people, how could that be? It, it happens because in Texas, the speaker is elected by 65 Democrats. And, and 10 Republicans. That's all it takes. And what the Democrats do is they block vote. They figure out which Republicans going to give them the most as, as speaker. And they pick Dade Phelan. Why? Because Dade Phelan agreed to this deal with the Biden administration, went straight through the Texas Democrats, and they came after me. And shoot, I've been investigated ever since the day I walked into this office. And I have no doubt that the Biden administration would love to find some way. They've been working on it for years to get rid of me. And part of that process was the impeachment. 
So um, I have to tell you, I, I think Phelan should be impeached himself. This was just such a sham uh, of everything that was going on. But let, let me talk about the border here, because, Ken, while you've been away, Texas has been a wuss in many cases. Um, yesterday, the razor wire in Eagle Pass uh, was cut. We have this gigantic colony in Houston, which is, you know, they're they're chaining girls up and raping them. One escaped, tried to uh, and was killed. Both of them ended up dead. Uh, there's all kinds of cartel activity going on. This is a, a colony in Houston, the size of Washington, D.C. More people are on the way. When is Texas going to become Texas? So I literally had my first briefing on all of this stuff yesterday. And from my office, we spent, obviously, I've missed four months. And I had people that have left. I, there's lots of stuff that I didn't know what was going on because I wasn't allowed to get information from my office. And so yesterday I spent more time talking about immigration and what's going on along the border and what can we do. And so we're in the process of looking at potential lawsuits. I don't have an army of soldiers that can go out and do anything about it. I know. That's not what the legislature gives me. Uh, all I can do is what I can do in court. And so, you know, we already had a bunch of lawsuits filed against the Biden administration, but we're definitely looking at more and we're trying to figure out how can we stop this travesty uh, which, which the Biden administration is promoting. And, and it, it's pretty clear to me, they do not care about the American people. This is it. so horrible. And the consequences for people on the border that are, that are U.S. citizens and for our state are devastating. And those consequences with drugs and crime are going to be felt in this country for a long time to come. So did the governor reach out to you yesterday at all about the wire cutting? I had I did not hear from his office yesterday. My staff may have, but I did not. Okay. I didn't know about it until you just said something. You, no one, no one from the governor's office called you about the federal government cutting the razor wire and letting thousands of people in across our border at Eagle Pass. No one called you. I heard about that story. Uh, on right before your show started as I listened to the news. That's when I heard about the work. I did not know. Okay. Uh, the um, you said to Tucker yesterday in your interview with him and just kind of, it just kind of just went and he didn't follow up. And I found this quite important. The court of appeals in the state of Texas Apparently now you cannot prosecute voter fraud in Texas. Is that true? Is of, yes, that is correct. They struck down a law from 1951. And by the way, one, I have four things that I'm supposed to do under the Constitution. The final thing is such things as are required by law. And in 1951, the legislature directed the attorney general. It's the only thing I have original jurisdiction on as it relates to criminal matters was voter fraud. And the Court of Criminal Appeals, all Republican, by the way, and by the way, nobody knows who they are. This is why I think they've been put there. And I'm, I'm convinced they're, they're, they're not Republicans because they struck down this law and it said that I don't have the authority to go to court as attorney general because I'm in the executive branch. That, that was their rationale for striking down saying it was unconstitutional for the attorney general to be in court. And I'm like, is that the most insane decision ever? But they did it. And now it's up to the local DAs to prosecute it. Do oh, you my think gosh. The Travis, County, the Travis County, the Dallas County, the Harris County, which is Houston, Bear County, they're not going to prosecute voter fraud. Guess what? 
they just opened up voter fraud. And the, the people of Texas need to know that. And that there's three of the nine members up coming up in March for a primary. We have to find people to run and we have to beat those people or we are going to lose the state. Because I tried to get this law passed again so that I would have I could start doing it again and make them strike it down again. And guess who killed it? Dade Phelan. I called them. He never returned my calls, but he, I was told by his team that they had they didn't have time to pass this law, even though I got it. Oh, my Senate. gosh. That's where we are with Dade Phelan. That's where we are with the Texas House. And that's where we are with the Court of Criminal Appeals that no one knows. And by the way, that is our highest court. It's like our Supreme Court. We're only one, uh, one of two states that has this for all criminal matters. So I have no appeal rights. So when they strike down this as unconstitutional and say I can't prosecute voter fraud, I have no ability to get around that. I'm stuck. And that's what I'm trying to fix. Okay. So who needs to be called? The, the House? The House needs to pass this next time. It's a lost two years that I can't prosecute voter fraud. And in March, I'm, I think we're, we're going to have three people to run against the members of the Court of Appeals. We've got to get those people elected because we lost 8-1. And if we can get three new members, we'll at least be 5-4, and we'll be sending the message, you cannot strike down. Uh, okay, who are those three hospital. members? Who are the three members that are? That uh, are I do not have that off the top have of it? my head. Look, I, I'll yeah, find and I them. Bet you, if, yeah, three members are going to be up this time. I think uh, one of them is like uh, Michelle Slaughter. I think Barbara Hervey, and I'm trying to remember the, the third one. I think those are the three that are up. Okay, we'll find out. And uh, I, I, deal, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any more important issue than making sure we fix that court. Because why did this it, happen? It, How did this happen? Okay, so I think George Soros, in my opinion, oh, he's not, he was trying to do three things. One, get the DAs elected in these liberal counties. So he, he beat all these Democratic DAs that were prosecuting crimes. He did in Travis County, an unseated Democrat there that, he did it was actually prosecuted crimes. He did the same thing in San Antonio. So he got control of that knowing full well that this would affect vote, voting. Second, he put he helped put nine members on the Supreme Court, actually eight. Kevin Urey is awesome. Uh, the other eight, no one knows who they are. And I think he because Republicans don't know who these people are, um, he was able to get these members of the court to strike down this law. And then the third strategy was get rid of me. And then there's no hope. There's nowhere to go. So that was the goal. They didn't get rid of me. So there's still hope, and we've got to change the Court of Criminal Appeals, and we've got to get the House next time to pass this law. You know, Donald Trump said yesterday, let me see if I can actually quote him on, uh, on something. Uh, he said yesterday uh, that we, if there is a defeat in 2024, um, it will mean the end of the country. The 2024 presidential election will be nothing less than the final battle for the U.S. I'm beginning to think that that is absolutely true if we make it to 2024. I, I told him uh, when he was running for re-election in May that I was fighting a battle to stop massive mail-out ballots in all the biggest counties, Travis County, which is Austin, Harris County, which is Houston. We had 12 lawsuits. And I said, if I don't win every single one of those lawsuits, you're going to lose Texas. He's like, what? That's not possible. I said, it doesn't matter what your polling says. If they can send out six or seven million ballots or just one county, say Harris County sends out 2.5 million ballots, you won by 600 votes, 600,000 votes. You're not going to win Texas. They will count votes because we can't verify if they just mail them out to everybody and there's no signature verification, which is still not even the best way to make sure people are voting right. And we have no way to verify they're going to be able to cheat, count as many ballots as they want. They'll figure out how much, what their numbers are. 
And guess what? We stopped every one of those 12 lawsuits, even though we were, we were in terrible places with terrible judges. And I watched election night and I was like, this is exactly, they're gonna, they stopped counting votes for a couple of days. Why? So they can figure out how many votes they needed to count with these mail-in ballots. And that's exactly what happened in these other states. And whenever I bring it up, they say I'm crazy, but that's exactly what they did. You know, one thing I really worry about is the number of uh, illegals in our country, the ones that we don't even know about. We already, since Biden got into office, we have already passed the population of 15 different states. Combinations of three states uh, would equal the amount that has come in. Um, it, it is, it's, it, you're seeing crime and everything else, and we're only seeing the surface of this. Um, I, I wonder if Texas can stand. How much is this changing? If they can just uh, register uh, or or get people in here to do uh, voting, which is their plan. Beyond that, the crime, the uh, social services, the hospitals. I, I I we're so close to the border. If we don't get this border sealed, we're done. No, this is the plan. You know, people are like, why is Biden doing this? Two reasons. One is the first reason, voting. Getting as many of these people into Republican states so that they can become voters, whether it's legal or illegal. Right now, they can vote illegally. No one's going to do anything about it. It won't matter. Second, they wanted to get as many people, uh, illegals, into these Republican states because guess what? We're doing better than the Democratic states. We have low taxes, less regulation, more opportunity, better governance, and they want to bring in more problems. They want to take us down because the story is too good for Texas and Florida and Tennessee and Utah. The Republican states are successful. The Democratic states are losing people because people are voting with their feet. And the Biden administration said, OK, we'll make you pay for it. We're going to make you pay for all this stuff. Schooling, health care, law enforcement, crime. Your kids are going to die. We're going to get you. And that's what the Biden administration is all about. Well, uh, any good news to report? Uh, yeah, there is a God and there's always hope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have to tell you, um, it looked uh, it looked like they were going to be able to railroad you. And look, I know you're not a perfect person, um, but, uh, you know, the, uh, I had a real problem when they came uh, to the impeachment hearings after promising, just like the Democrats do, all kinds of evidence, all kinds of, and then literally nothing. Uh, they said I, their lawyers, Glenn said it was going to be ten times worse than the public knew, and and guess what? It was ten times less. They tried to railroad me out by doing having no due process, no sworn testimony, which is required by law, no due process, no chance to for me to refute any of this stuff. All done secretly. No transparency done in three days and designed to smother me because now I'm out of office. I have no resources. I spent all my money on the campaign. I had no I had no lawyers. I had three months to figure out what they had. And they kept hiding the information, even though they were required to turn it over. They And then, of course, I had a gag order, so I couldn't defend myself. I couldn't go out and talk. I couldn't call you. On what the other it? hand, they, had a, what, they were what? able to leak information to the press. And every day I was getting pounded. All of that was was against me and yet because of the people of texas because of my strong family support my wife's support and because by the grace of god you know i just decided i'm going to 
fight this to the last second. I will not resign because if they win this, then they can just do this to anybody they want. Exactly. I will not let the voters down. So, so who's going to pay for this? I mean, is any is any investigation? I don't want revenge. I want this no. not to be able to happen again. No. So Dan Patrick, God bless him for this. He he called for an audit, which I think is fair because they were trying to hide how much money they were spending. So I think we're going to find out how much money they spent, which is millions. And look, it's totally unfair to push somebody out of office with no proof. And then I've got to go pay for it. And I could lose just because they have all the money from the taxpayers. And I'm left with just nothing. Most people would not have made it through that with no resources. And that is unfair for the House to be able to like suspend me with no proof. And then take away Glenn Hager, the comptroller, illegally cuts my salary off to punish me, even though he had no authority to do that. And he still hasn't started my salary back. And I'm supposed to survive this. They did everything they could to make it impossible for me to get the truth out and to survive. This is so we're against we're the becoming will of the voters against the will of the voters. We are we are becoming uh, an old Soviet state. It's terrifying. This is Texas, Glenn, Texas. Oh, I, I know. I know. Ken, thank you very much. I appreciate it. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Peter Navarro uh, joins us. Peter Navarro was with the Trump administration, former assistant to President Trump, White House trade advisor. He was behind our China policy and data and, uh, and a lot of the good things that happened to our economy happened through Peter Navarro. Uh, we're glad to have him on uh, today's uh, broadcast. I, I, Peter, I, before we move on, let me just ask you, um, in the 1980s, we had the same kind of policies from Jimmy Carter, and we had, we had to jack up interest rates to 19% to be able to suck all that money back in and destroy it. There's a lot more money in the system now, and we're still spending like crazy what is it going to take? Can this be conquered at this point? Well, let me tell you the most important action item for your listeners right now. Um, the debt limit debate is happening as we speak. And it's probably our last exit ramp before the presidential election to force the Democrats to cut back on some of that massive spending they've baked in to our economy right now. It's just destructive spending because it's, it's debt financed. It's inflationary. It's going to just overburden everything, right? That's kind of what we can do right now. You know, let Kevin McCarthy know no deals with the Democrats. This is the time to cut back or, you know, take the money away so they gave the irs take the money away from these these um, ev mandates there's just a whole bunch of stuff we shouldn't be spending on because we don't have the money glenn because we have don't have the money if this is what happened in the 1970s um is they just kept kept and make mistakes after mistakes after some mistakes and it was the same scenario they were overspending Keynesian stimulus to stimulate an economy that was suffering, but then it created inflation, so the Fed kept raising interest rates. And you're absolutely right. I mean, 19%. How do you tell people that? Go ahead. 
you tell people that mortgage rates were like at 10 or 12 or 15 percent just a few decades ago, and they look at it right. like it's crazy. Right. But we've had it so good for so long, which, but that's all another story entirely. But look, this is, this is financial Armageddon. You know, one of the things I do is, is like, uh, the, the, I'm not giving stock market advice, but I've always, as an economist, forecasted the stock market because it's a leading indicator of the economy, right? And right now, we're on the verge of, of a market correction. The, the last five weeks have been just just a nightmare in the S&P 500. And what's happening is both Main Street and Wall Street are going to get clobbered. The only people who make money on on this misery are the big hedge fund program traders who who make billions regardless if the market's going up and down because they can play both sides, okay? <laughs> Everybody else, I mean, people who are working for a living right now are going to see wage increases, but inflation's going to eat most or all uh, or more of that away. That Take that to the bank. And then people with their five 401ks and IRAs and things like that, hey, that we, we did a beautiful thing during the Trump years building up the stock market. And it's just, I mean, people look at that stuff and they go, wow, that's going to take me another five years now before I can retire. Well, guess what? It's going to be another 10 years at the rate we're going. So, the point here, I think, is elections matter. And we need somebody who understands how economies grow. And it ain't the guy in the office right now. Okay, so, so help me out on this, Peter. Um, yeah. I know that Donald Trump always bets on the future. He always, and, and it's smart. I mean, I, when I buy a house, I try to keep within reason, but I bet on I'm going to do better down the road, and this won't break my back, even at this time, but it'll be a lot easier as I as I grow. Um, and I think that's the way Donald Trump looks at the economy. He doesn't mind spending money if we're going to grow past it. However, we are we're way, way out of whack. He wasn't the best yeah. on spending. Can we count on um, him to do spending cuts? Yeah, you you have to. I mean, he's crazy. Like, let's start with the EV mandates. I mean, they are basically the Full Employment Act for Communist China. Okay, why would you do that? Why why would you do that? And and the reason why the Bidenites do it is because they worship at a, at a global altar uh, where they don't understand the economic implications of their utopian Green New Deal. They just don't get it. They just don't get it. I mean, AOC is, is, is blank upstairs on ec- economics um, as you can ever imagine. And these are the people leading us, Clint. You know, elections have consequences. Now, when it, it, Trump gets in in 2025, um, absent, look, right now, right now, over the next 30 days, we've got a chance to at least negotiate some of that excess spending now. Okay. Okay. So tell me, because tell the uh, average person why the government shut down. You shouldn't fear it. Because the alternative is the continued reckless spending. That's going to destroy this country as we know it. And that's not hyperbole. That's just fact. That's just fact. If you look, you got to remember Biden as Vice President Obama in eight years doubled the national debt 
from 10 to 20 trillion. Okay, think about that. 10 to 20 trillion. They doubled it in their eight years. What Biden is doing to the debt as we speak is going to be even worse than that. And we're only like, what, three years into this nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, and it's all loaded in there. And, and McCarthy, good God, I don't know what that man was thinking when he agreed to everything he agreed to. Him and McConnell, it's like, it, it was a, it was you know, the, the corporate uniparty basically pushing us that. So my point here, Glenn, I, I want to be, be, be action. You know, they want to give them some action. It's like tell the Congress um, to cut back on their spending as part of the debt limit deal and don't fall prey to the sky's falling crap that's happening uh, that, that, that they're going to say is going to happen. And it, it's very simple. So you see a, uh, a crash coming or not a crash, but a correction coming in the stock market. Um, how long? Well, one man's correction is another man's crash. Right. I mean, we're losing. We're going to lose anywhere from fifteen to thirty percent of value. In Holy the cow! We've already lost. Look, the last five weeks, um, you know, we're down another percent today as we speak. I mean, you know, maybe a thousand. But look, um, why would the stock market go up other than the fact that we've been throwing too much money? money fiscally into it and there's just right. a lot of money sloshing around okay it's a it's a faux bull market okay it's just it's a faux bull market how how Period. full stop how much time does the dollar have as as the global world reserve currency and actually being something that uh has value well, there's two competing forces there, and, and it, it's like the Kentucky Derby. You know, like you can watch them kind of, kind of going around the track. On the one hand, you've got all the rogue nations that don't want to get sanctioned by the U.S. government for their bad behavior, trying to establish their own currency, principally the communist Chinese currency, and that's the BRIC countries. You got, you got Russia. You got China, you've got all the oil emirates who don't want to be on the dollar. You got India stabbing us in the back. And from a st- population standpoint, it's it's well over half of the world. Right. Okay? Right. Um, so that's going on. But the, the problem is also for people who want to get sucked into that, that, that has its own risks. So, you know, the dollar, it, it's, it's kind of like, like the the lesser of of all the evils, right? Even though things are getting more and more unstable here, they continue to get even more unstable in the world. I mean, you look at communist China, right? It's like money's corporate money, except dumb Elon Musk, the smartest, dumbest guy I've ever seen. He's like, <laughs> a lot of that corporate money's coming out of China now because they know that China's about to invade Taiwan, you know, maybe tomorrow, maybe next year, certainly within the next five years. What's that going to do? It's going to put a, a you know, there are going to be seasoned Tesla plants uh, there when that happens, and it's going to hit the fan. So the point is, you ask me where this dollar goes, it's like, well, it's it still has attractiveness because everywhere else has so much unattractiveness, but China is coming hard with their brick zone on us. And look, um People, to preserve their wealth, to protect their job, you know, they need to be financially and economically market literate. And, and that's a tall order, okay? Because 
Yeah, I've got good friends now who look at their 401k and it's like they've lost, you know, like a third of it. And they, they ask me, I go, I look at it, I go, wow, your stockbroker's got you in highly speculative investments and you're, you're 55 years old. What, why do you do that? Right. Well, you know, that's what right. these guys do. So anyway, I, I don't want to be Mr. Gloom and Doom. I'm not that guy, okay? I'm, right. I, I know that's me. That's my job. I mean, this country <laughs> is the strongest in the world, but, but under proper stewardship. And I can't think of, of somebody worse running the White House right now than Joe Biden, because everything he is doing is wrong geopolitically and economically. So in terms of what you can do in the short term, it's like call your congressman and say, hey, reduce the spending or don't vote for that debt limit increase. Okay, that, that's that's the deal. It's like we got to cut trillions off future spending or or we're going to be in trouble. Okay. Um, and then in the meantime, 2024, November 2024, pick, pick, pick your candidate. You know who mine is. It's Donald John Trump. And, and, and Glenn, thank you for the defendpeter.com plug there, defendpeter.com. I, you know, I see this in real time, and it, we've already had a bunch of donations come in. It, it's helpful. And by the way, the site that you can go to, you can also send your prayers, and those are much, much welcome as well, defendpeter.com. Peter, thank you very much. Godspeed. You're a patriot, sir. Thank you. You're a patriot. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I want to play a highlight from yesterday with the attorney general testifying in front of the House committee. Uh, this this is some of, I'm going to just only play about a minute of it. You have to look it up. We'll tweet it out. This is the most satisfying five minutes I've heard in a long time. It's uh, Representative Victoria Sparts. Uh, she grew up in the Soviet Union, and she had a thing or two to get off her chest. Listen to this. Attorney General, you had a very moving statement about your grandparents coming here uh, from Belarus to live in the country without fear of prosecution. I grew up in a very similar country, Ukraine now, and when I came here as a young person, I believed in the value as an American not to be afraid of my government. But I wanted to tell you, and I want to share with you and get your thoughts on that. Are you aware that a lot of Americans are now uh, afraid of being prosecuted by your department? Are you aware about that? I think that uh, constant attacks on the department and saying no, it's that not attacks. Well, let me let me give you an example. I don't know you talk what... about January six people. I'm sorry, Here, there, there are some people came on January six. There are probably were some people that came on January six here. You know that had bad intent, but a lot of good Americans from my district came here because they are sick and tired of this government not serving them. They came with strollers and the kids, and there was chaotic situation because the proper security wasn't provided. That's a question that was answered really why. Why we debated for 45 minutes on the floor and didn't stop the debate after the people broke in into the Capitol. But these people came, they were throwing the smoke bombs into the crowd with strollers with kids. People were showed up, you know, FBI agent to people's houses. You had in my district, in my town, FBI phone numbers all over the district. Please call. Call that. 
people are truly afraid. I just want to make sure if you're not aware that you are. And this is a big problem when people are afraid of their own government. He went on to give a non-answer answer and don't think it moved uh, him very much. But it certainly moved me. And uh, Congresswoman Sparts is uh, with us now. Hi, Victoria. Hi, thank you for having me. I, I have to tell you, I, I, thank you. There are, there are Americans, and then there are the Americans that really understand what we're up against. And they're usually the ones that have come from a communist country, a communist China, Vietnam, or anywhere in the uh, former Soviet Union. You know what's happening. And, uh, and for him not to respond to you, I, you know, George Washington said, uh, you know, when the, um, when the government fears the people, there's liberty. When the people fear the government, there's tyranny. And we're there. Well, I'll be honest with you, Glenn. You know, maybe I came with idealistic ideas because I read about the America from Alexis de Tocqueville and Friedman and Hayek and grown up when, you know, in a failed system and known what at stake. I probably was a little bit young and naive, but I'm not going to accept one thing. I'm not going to accept for this republic to fail because... If we become a dictatorship and we are moving in that direction, there is no hope for anyone else in the world. And I will tell you something that is very dangerous. We can have a difference in opinion, and it's okay. It's healthy to have a difference in opinion. But when people are afraid to express their opinion, that is called dictatorship. This was exactly under totalitarian dictatorship of communists in Soviet Union where people were afraid to express an opinion. No, we don't have a right uh, look, to hurt each other, but we have a right to stand an opinion. We don't have a right to harm each other, and, but we do, do have a right to disagree with the government. That is a core fundamentals of this republic. If people are not willing to come, listen, I don't like that people come and scream me in town halls. I don't like that people disagree with me, but if I'm going to go to this office, I have to hear the people. And where we are right now as a country, the frustrations of the people are real. The GIS government is not serving the people. We have a big machine that's serving big money, and people are sick and tired, and we're bankrupting our future generation. And a lot of people died for our freedoms. I am not willing to accept it. I know it's hard. I know these battles, you know, not easy, but we have to win them. We lose this war. And, you know, I'm telling you, sometimes maybe, you know, being young and idealistic, you know, it's bad. But sometimes, you know, coming here is like you put a frog in the hot water. You know, I came here and I believed in all of the value Americans. And I truly believe we are not going to destroy our republic. This is the greatest country ever existed in the history of the world. And we as Americans are going to get together to save it. No, so, but what the Department of Justice is doing is, is disgrace. Um, we need more people like you in the House and the Senate, and you're not going to run for re-election to the House, and there were hopes that you would run in Indiana for Senate, but you're not going to do either of those things. You're just you're getting out of politics. Well, I need to regroup, reinvigorate, and really spend more time to get more Americans, because this government, 
don't underestimate still the power of Americans. Listen, with all of the bad things, I probably wouldn't be <laughs> where I am, you know, if it would be for the American people. I fought my own party more <laughs> than other party. I don't yeah, even I have time for them. So I was here only because good, hardworking Americans with me and fought against my own party with me. Americans that care about that. And we need to get more Americans to understand what is at stake and talk to them. So we have to have more allies. I need to regroup to figure out, you know, I honestly disappointed where my party is and lack of leadership because unfortunately the other side is so far gone. If we don't fight and win, not just be talking head on TV or writing books and go do grandiose statements but actually deliver. And this is a real war, and we need to come after the other side, but it takes leadership, and I'm responsible for my party, my leadership. You know, so I need to figure out how I can regroup and get you know, some energy back because I've been for decades fought my own party and another one too. I had some very tough battles, so I'm battle-tested, but I think this battle needs to be won with American people, and don't underestimate the power. I truly believe... These people are afraid of American people. They are afraid of American people. And right now they're trying to oppress it. But I think American people are very strong and they're not going to allow Washington D.C. corruption to take over and destroy the country. So I appreciate that people like you are, you know, listen, I listened for you for a long time. You've been in the trenches. and, And I don't accept, you know, what they do. And they try to really demonize every American. So people are afraid now to come and say to D.C. Oh my gosh, we'll have to have a peaceful demonstration. Oh no, they'll say we are insurrectionists. We are awful people. Well, this is terrible. This is like dictatorship. I cannot believe it happened in the United States of America. Well, I just wanted to encourage you because I read um, in, uh, I think this was not a Politico. This was from The Hill, I think. And it said uh, that you never planned on having a long career in politics. I have a lot of my own things I wanted to do in my life. And I'm going to get some stuff done and get the hell out of politics for sure. I appreciate that. But that's something I say to myself almost every day. There's so many things I want to do. I mean, how much how much longer? And I we just have to continue to do it if if that you feel that is the best way to help. So I would like you just to consider a plea from me that if there's any way to run for Senate, if you think you could win, we need the, I mean, the, you're right. The party is completely uh, off track. Um, let me let me switch uh, gears with you on um, Zelensky. <sighs> what is what is happening in the house is this real that we're not going to give the aid uh any more aid until we start getting some answers are we going to hold the line on the budget do you have any idea well let me tell you something it's so unfortunate you know that you know when i last year I was a standalone, and, you know, listen, I sometimes feel like, uh, you know, like, we know, one woman standing, okay, yeah, but it's okay, even if I have to be one woman standing, I will stand there. I'm okay with that. If I'm going to be attacked, I was attacked last summer by Republicans and Democrats. I was dragged through mud on all media when I said, we must demand accountability. You understand what country we're dealing. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure this hard-earned money, Americans are generous people. Amer- Americans won a lot of wars and freed a lot of people around the world, but Americans are not stupid, and Americans are not going to be betrayed, and we need to know, we need to make sure where this aid goes, we're dealing with 
very complicated, corrupt countries, and we need to make sure that we have accountability, or it actually might get in the people that you're trying to fight, because this is a challenge when you have. We saw what's happened in Afghanistan. We saw what's happened with a lot of countries. We failed because... We did not have proper accountability, and Congress didn't hold executive branch accountable. I cannot believe Congresswoman asking accountability for taxpayers' money. This is being pro-Putin. <laughs> I think not asking is pro-Putin. You know, and I was very disappointed how I was attacked, but it's okay. Listen, I, you know, if I would have been offended really easily, I wouldn't survive this world. Right. Okay? I don't get offended that easily. And I held the ground on that. We did a little bit better, but we didn't do is a good job. And now a lot of Americans are asking questions. And I said, if President Biden needs to make the case why it is a national interest of Americans, you know, to help Ukraine to win that war and show what is happening, he has not communicated for Congress. There is frustration from both sides forever. He doesn't even come to Congress. You are not going to go to all of this international, they talk about country. I'll tell you one thing. If Americans don't lead Everything is gone. We're the only country, I hate, I hate to say, the only country who can lead around the world. If we're not doing something, everyone's gone. You can do grandiose statements, but if we don't do any actions, nothing is going to happen. I, unfortunately, we don't have strong leadership, you know, and that's why we have all this war. Strong America is actually peace for everyone. That's why we have to keep our country strong and get our act together. You know, otherwise our adversaries, included like China, will be destabilizing the country. And that is our responsibility of Republicans. So I think he put himself now in a very tough situation where a lot of Americans are asking right questions. And he needs to figure out now with the Senate how he's going to answer them. Victoria Spartz uh, from Indiana, uh, Congresswoman, uh, we need more people like you. Um, thank you so much for everything. Hope to talk thank to you again. Thank you. Appreciate having me. You bet. I have a friend. Uh, who sounds exactly like that. Uh, the husband is a little softer spoken and she'll just go. I want Ukrainian women and Eastern Bloc women to get to Washington because nothing stops them. Nothing stops them. Na, 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 na.